All right, guys. I am very glad to be here with you this morning. Um, Psalms 122, <laughs> verse 1 says that I rejoice with those who said, let us go to the house of the Lord. And that's truly the sentiment that I feel here today. You guys know I love being with you. Um, and I'm glad I get to deliver the word to you this morning. Um, so for those of you who don't know me, my name is Sterling. I'm one of the uh, small group leaders here, uh, Sunday morning table leaders, whatever you want to call it. Um, and I just love serving in this ministry. <laughs> and for the past few months, we've been going through a series on Acts that just really emphasizes the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Uh, so we constantly see the Holy Spirit empower the apostles throughout all of these uh, stories here and uh, as they go out to share the gospel or the good news with people. And this good news is the truth that Jesus Christ is the Messiah that died on the cross for our sins, defeated death, and rose again. So just a little context, in Acts chapter 1, verses 6 through 9, we hear Jesus saying, um, or we hear them speaking to Jesus, uh, the disciples, and uh, it says, then they gathered around him, him being Jesus, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. And that's the context for Acts. And that's what we're going to see here in Acts 17. Um, so let's pray, and then we're going to dive into the Word. So Father God, we just give you all glory, honor, and praise because you are an awesome God. God, we thank you for creation. We thank you for the gift and miracle that is life. Father God, as I stand before uh, your people today, just allow me to humble myself, God. And uh, I just pray that you use me and that you speak through me and you give your people the words that you have to say, God. Uh, in your mighty name we pray, amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, which I hope you do, but if not, we have phones. Bible Gateway is uh, very accessible. And uh, we also have some Bibles back there. Uh, but we're going to be diving into Acts chapter 17 today. Um, so in Acts 17, there's really three main parts I don't need this. <laughs> in Acts 17, there's really three main parts that we're going to dive into. So uh, there's Paul in Thessalonica, there's Paul in Berea, and then there's Paul in Athens. Um, so let's go ahead and start, start with Paul in uh, Thessalonica. Uh, and there's quite a few verses here, so just bear with me uh, as I read through them, and then we'll get a quick summary. Uh, so Acts 17, starting at verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through uh, Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But other Jews were jealous, so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. 
they rush to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men have caused trouble all over the world and have now come here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and city officials were thrown into turmoil. They made Jason and the others postpone and let them go. Right, so let me do a quick recap, because I know that was a lot of verses all at once. Um, But so basically, we see Paul and his companions, and they go into the Jewish synagogue. Um, And then afterwards, Paul teaches there for three Sabbath days using scripture to prove that Jesus is the Messiah. Some people were persuaded to follow Paul and believe in Jesus, while um, others got angry and they gathered up some shady characters to start a riot in the city. They were after Paul and they were angry that he was breaking Caesar's decree. Now, I just think it's crazy that we see this here in Acts because so often I feel like we feel like we're the only ones who have trouble when it comes to sharing the gospel. (laughs) But as you see, we're not the only ones. If you look at verse two, um, it says, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Now, I love that it says that he reasoned with them. Right, because I feel to me it feels like it just makes sense. He reasoned with them from the scriptures. It, I kind of see it like Paul saying, "Look, guys, this is what the scripture says. This is what happened. You can't deny the facts." Right? It just makes sense. So he reasoned with them from scripture peacefully, and people were actually listening to him. But even at that, there were still others that still got angry. <laughs> In fact, if, you, if we read verse 6 again, um, it says, But when they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the city officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have now come here. Now, that's the NIV. But if you look into the ESV, I think it's super interesting, the wording, because it says... And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here. Guys, even when Paul was alive, he was living in an upside down kingdom. Eh? Um, (laughs) So going to spread the true word of God meant that he was turning the world upside down, right? But he was turning things upside down for God's glory. <laughs> and I think that even now, as we see certain laws get passed <laughs> that are completely unbiblical, as Christians, we have to be firm enough in our faith to be able to speak against these laws, even if it means that we get hated by others. In fact, Jesus prepares us for this. In John 15, when he's, uh, 18 and 19, he says, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belonged to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, and that is why the world hates you. Now, guys, as uncomfortable as it sounds, we're not meant to be loved by the world. (laughs) 
And in fact, when we live out our faith, we're going to end up rubbing people the wrong way more often than not. But Jesus encourages us in saying that the world hated him first. And I don't know about you guys, but I'd rather be hated with Jesus than loved by the world any day of the week. Now, as we continue on to Berea, um, Acts 17, 10 through 15. Uh, and again, just let me read these and then we'll do a quick summary. So soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On, every, on arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than in Thessalonica. For they received the message uh, with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if Paul, what Paul had said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did a number of prominent Greek women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed in Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join as soon as possible. Right, so just another quick recap right here. So the believers helped Paul and his companions out of Thessalonica and into Berea. So once they got there, you know, Paul repeated his normal routine. He went to the Jewish synagogue. He spoke for three Sabbath days, all of that. And many people believed but then the Jews from Thessalonica heard of Paul and Berea and followed him there. The believers then escorted Paul to Athens with the intent for Timothy and Silas to join as soon as possible. So guys, Paul does what he always does here. But verse 11 says that the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica. In some versions, it says that they were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. And I remember having a conversation with an old professor of mine one day, and he's just asking me about how it was to be a Christian uh, at my college, the university I went to. I went to Appalachian State University. And I was talking to him, and I was like, it was kind of difficult. You know, everybody kind of expects you to believe one way, and if you don't believe that way, then they say you're closed-minded, or they don't, you know, they don't agree with you, they're angry at you, whatever. <laughs> and I was telling him about this, and he's an older gentleman, um, and so he went to college way back in the day, and so um, <laughs> what he told me was that back in his day, when he was in school, he said everyone truly had an open mind. And what he described an open mind as was um, somebody who was willing to listen to everything, but the whole point of being open-minded was to eventually close your mind on something solid, <laughs> right? And so that's what the Jews do here. They listen to Paul, but that's not the only thing that they do. Look at verse 11 again. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. They looked every day <laughs> to confirm what Paul was saying. 
right? Guys, they were looking to see, does this make sense? Is it consistent? Is it what I truly believe? Is it what my parents believe? You know, they were looking at the verses for themselves. And my friends, if you're a believer with us today, <laughs> scripture's so vast that no matter what Lee or Christina or I or John or anybody shares with you, you need to be able to look at the word of God like they are because it's up to you to learn and to understand it for yourself. And if you're not a believer with us today, I invite you to be like the Jews in Berea. Don't take my word for it, but when you hear the gospel, or when you hear the gospel delivered, I encourage you to go and read scripture and discover God for yourself. Have an open mind and eagerly receive the word. <laughs> now, the other thing that I want to touch on here <laughs> is that the Jews from Thessalonica actually followed Paul to Berea and made a commotion. Guys, that's kind of like the equivalent of being canceled in our culture today. <laughs> you know, like Paul went, he was in a whole different city. But when they heard what he was doing there, they were so angry that they followed him and made a whole big commotion of it. <laughs> Paul was canceled for sharing the good news. Guys, when we stand up for the truth of God, there are going to be some difficult cultural consequences. But Paul knew that, and he even encourages us a little bit later in Romans 8, 18 by saying, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us. Guys, we're going to suffer for a bit on this earth if we follow Jesus and all his commands. But Paul says that it's not even comparable to the glory that's in store for us. So real quick, before we move on, I have a couple of table questions for you guys. Uh, so the first one is really two. Um, <laughs> but how was Paul defying the world's kingdom at the time, according to the jealous Jews? And then what are some ways in which we should be defying the world's kingdom today? And then uh, the next question is, what can we learn from the Berean Jews? Let's take about five minutes, discuss at your tables these few questions. All right, so can I hear, can I hear from a few people, um, can I hear from a few people about what are some ways in which you, we should be defying the world's kingdom today? Hayden, what'd you say? Okay, how so? Hmm. good. Anyone else? Sorry, I'm not like Aaron. I don't have candy. Yes. <laughs> I think that's really, really good. There's, uh, there's a show that I like to watch, and in it there's uh, somebody who I would consider a well-portrayed Christian, um, which we really don't see in media nowadays. But I remember one episode that was extremely disappointing to me was everybody was kind of pressuring her to break her morals, and then they kind of celebrated that in the end. You know, it's something that in our culture, 
you know, people pressure us to do these things that we don't want to do, and then it's kind of celebrated. So I think that that's really awesome. Uh, let's get one more. What are some ways in which we should be defying the world's kingdom today? Cleto, did I see your hand? <laughs> this, yes. Mm, that is really good. Amazing. <laughs> All right, friends, thank you. Thank you for answering. Um, So guys, I really want to put a focus on Paul in Athens today because I think that it's extremely similar to really the situations that we're going to see in today's world. Um, And so so Acts 17, we're going to start, we're going to chunk this one up a little bit because it's a lot, Um, but 16 through 21. And let me just read it right here. It says, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace by day with those who happened to be there. I also want to note that the marketplace wasn't just like a grocery store or whatever, but it was a big public area where many people were gathered. Um, so, So to continue... A group of uh, Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, he seems to be advocating for foreign gods. They said this, they said this because call, Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of the Areopagus, uh, where they said to him, may we know, excuse me, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You're bringing some strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. All the Athenians and the foreigners who live there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. So, um, a little off topic, but I really love verse 18, because I think what is this babbler trying to say is just such a great comeback <laughs> to anything that anyone can say to you. <laughs> um, but uh, more realistically, let's go back to verse 16. So while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. Guys, when Paul walked in, he already felt this conviction in his spirit. He saw that things were against God and it didn't sit right with him. He didn't just accept it and move on and say, okay, this is how things are here. You know, but rather, he took the time to teach the people the gospel without fear of judgment or rejection. There's a lot that we can take from that. (laughs) Again, we currently live in an upside-down kingdom where the things that seem uh, right or wrong and what's right wrong is right. (laughs) But we've become accustomed to seeing some of these things that, are, that they no longer bother us. We just accept them for what they are. <laughs> you know, we, we walk in and we see something that we clearly know is wrong, but we're just like, you know, that's how it is. <laughs> but here Paul feels conviction and is greatly distressed to see a city full of idols. And again, he does not just sit on those feelings Verse 17 says, so he reasoned with the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. This 
is the first time this chapter that we see Paul break out of his routine, right? He isn't just in the synagogue and it isn't just on the Sabbath day, but he's in the marketplace day after day. Paul knew that he was surrounded by those who would mock him and those that would not listen to him, but he spoke the truth anyways. Now, the latter half of this section is where we see a change. See, the philosophers are debating Paul in the marketplace, and so they eventually decide, all right, let's take him to the meeting of the Areopagus. So in my research and my studies, I found that Areopagus was... um, It was the place where wise men and philosophers would meet to discuss spiritual and philosophical ideas, right? And so when Paul got there, they were actually very interested in what he had to say. Acts 17, 22 through 31. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, for as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. Now really listen to how Paul delivers the gospel here. He says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Rather, He himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him. Though he is not far from any of us. For in him, we live and move and have our being, as some of your own poets have said. We are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Guys, notice here how Paul begins to deliver the gospel. It's not like the same way that he started in the Jewish synagogue, right? He doesn't start with scripture like he did before, but rather he starts talking about the altar to the unknown God. He starts by using logic. So Paul adjusted his audience or his message for his audience And I believe that the only way he was able to do that was through the Holy Spirit working through him and by knowing scripture. Because guys, Paul had had his message down pat, right? He'd been doing it to these synagogues. He'd been using the scripture. He knew exactly what he was going to say. He probably knew a lot of the objections that the Jews were going to come back with as well. But this was new. Here, Paul had to step into the culture of the philosophers and speak in a way that they would understand. So he started from the beginning and he told them how God created man. He reasoned with them saying that God doesn't need 
man-made temples, or for man to do his work. He even uses a quote from their own culture in verse 28, saying, for in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. The way that Paul delivers the gospel here is so elegant because he carefully intertwines what they understand with the truth of God to make it easily understandable and, rep- and replicable. Acts 17, 32 and 34, the last two verses in this chapter. When they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered and others said, we want to hear you again on this subject. At that, Paul left the council. Some of the people became followers of Paul and believed. Among them was Dionysus, a member of Areopagus, also a woman named Damaris, and a number of others. And guys, that's how the chapter ends. Some sneer and they go on their way and others follow Paul in order to hear more about Jesus. Again, it's just like our society today. When we go and we try to proclaim the gospel to our friends, some of them might be like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, (laughs) you know? But others may say, tell me a little bit more about that, you know? And I'm sure some of you with all the spiritual conversations we've had this year have seen that. (laughs) I've seen it in my life, you know? One friend will be like, that really makes a lot of sense. Another friend might say some words that I'm not gonna repeat up here, (laughs) you know? And we see that constantly in our culture. (laughs) So um, let's do a few more questions and then we'll wrap it up with some application for you guys. Um, So one, how did Paul's plan differ in Athens from Thessalonica and Berea? Uh, Two, why doesn't Paul start with scripture when he's dealing with the philosophers at Areopagus? And three, how can we model Paul's delivery of the gospel in Athens Uh, with the people in our schools. And uh, if you guys don't have as much time, at least start with number three, actually, and work your way up. (laughs) All right, go ahead. (laughs) All right, let's wrap it up. Um, So if you guys go to the last slide, um, how can we be more like Paul in Acts 17, right? Because we always want to apply what we learn and not just hear it and let it go out one ear or go out the other ear. Uh, so I'm just going to read Romans 12, 1 and 2, because I think it really helps to embody what I'm going to say in the application. Um, and it reads, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove that God's will is his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Guys, so how can we be more like Paul in Acts 17? Well, for one, Paul had a plan. Paul planned to speak in each city in the Jewish synagogue on the, on the Sabbath days. He was prepared and had a message to share with them. When he saw that the need was greater, he adjusted his plan and followed the lead of the Holy Spirit in order to do what was necessary. Not not only that, but Paul knew the culture. Paul understood the culture in Athens, and he used it to deliver the gospel beautifully. We have to understand our audience 
Otherwise, the words we speak may not always land. That question that I asked you guys about um, how can we, you know, relate to people, I had to do that to friends before. I have a friend who's really into dog training. I know, weird thing to be into, but um, <laughs> I don't remember exactly what I said, but that was a moment when it clicked for her. When I was like, you know, when you're training your dogs and because ah, I don't really know much about dog training, but I had to immerse myself a little bit in that to be able to connect with her. And it clicked for her somehow. <laughs> um, so Paul knew the culture. And lastly, and I think that this one's extremely important, Paul did not conform. He went out into all these different societies, but he never conformed to them. Guys, as you go out to share the word with your friends in various situations, it is vital that you remain who you are in Jesus Christ. Paul didn't do anything to try to make people like him better. In fact, he did the opposite. If he told the truth and didn't allow himself to be swayed by anyone else's philosophies. Guys, and that's what it's all about. Um, so let's go ahead and pray and close out for today. So, Father God, we just thank you for your son, Lord. We thank you for sending him to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. Father God, I just pray that um, we're able to apply being like Paul to our lives, that we're able to apply them to um, the spiritual conversations we'll be having over the next week, Lord. Uh, God, I just pray that you touch all of the students here. God, that you just open their heart, that they're like the Berean Jews and just receptive to your word, God, and um, wanting and eager to learn, learn more. Allow them to be in your word constantly. Father God, finally, as we depart from here today, just let us not depart from your presence. Um, and just bless all of your students here uh, for their obedience and for being here. In your mighty name we pray. Amen.